0: Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com, or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel, and please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Fate's Wide Wheel. We're here this week to discuss Miss Deep South, and we are joined by two very special guests. Dennis, do you want to handle those introductions?
1: Yes, I would. They are Megan Schemmel and Kelly Yakono. And what you are Sars, hey. co-host of a new podcast called the Courtesy Flush.
2: Courtesy Flush. Talk Courtesy a little
1: Flush. Bit about
2: that. Hmm. Courtesy Flush is... Um, it's a
3: hodgepodge of things. It really. is. Eh?
2: It's an oversharing of humanness of <sighs> trying to pay it forward with some a lot of improvised uh, moments. Actually, it's all improvised. Yeah. Um, And one of our concepts that we like to get into is, like, princess problems and what if Disney actually gave them real, uh, like, problems. Like, human
3: problems as opposed to, like, these, like, princesses that don't do anything. They're perfect in every way. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, an example.
2: We have, like, a Snow White. What if she had gas? You know, it's those sort of scenarios that are very human and relatable and just silly. But Yeah, yeah.
1: You're about five episodes in? Yep. Yep.
2: Or you release every Tuesday. Um, they're usually about 20 minutes, 15 minutes or less. And it's much just a bunch less, of fun. Much
1: yeah. less verbose than ours.
4: <laughs>
2: I mean, we could. We could go on and on. We just figured, eh, short and strong and sweet.
4: Right. Sure,
0: sure. It's <laughs> just how I like my coffee.
2: Exactly.
1: What? <laughs> uh, okay.
0: What? It's true. <laughs> <laughs> we, we <we've laughs> made jokes
1: about how, how bad just like my coffee jokes
0: on oh well sure yeah <laughs> that's, that's very mis- true
1: instances. uh it was it was,
0: well, it was uh, because they're horribly misogynistic most of the time yes, but it was other a than that where,
1: <laughs> into a woman, where that was where that was the issue
0: yeah
2: strong and black
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, like
3: that yeah. line from airplane you
0: know, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Sam leaping into a woman, uh that is Miss Deep South. Um and uh, this episode uh is directed by Christopher T. Welch, um who would direct a uh, few episodes, four episodes total. Uh this is actually our last one from him. Uh he had directed uh before this uh, one of our um favorites, I guess, if you would, the most cinematic episodes of the series in "Goodnight, Dear Heart, uh, just because it was kind of inventive and, and a little dangerous in some ways, if you will. Uh, but this will be his last episode. Uh, he'd also done Her Charm and Leaping In Without a Net. And then our writer is Tommy Thompson, um, who Dennis and I will not sing any songs. Well, why not? Uh, I mean, if you really want to bust <laughs> out your Tim McGraw, go for it. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, he would write 13 episodes in total, and this is actually his third. Um, he wrote Leaping In Without a Net and Leap of Faith before that. Um, our air date for this episode is going to be in – oh, I just lost it because – there we go. Uh, November the 2nd, 1990. Our leap date is June the 7th, 1958, and we are in uh, Alabama, Montgomery, or yeah. somewhere close by, anywhere In the
2: Deep South. In the Deep South.
0: In, in the Deep South. <laughs> yeah, and,
1: uh we're going to talk about that a little bit later
0: on.
4: And <laughs> Sam has okay.
0: leapt into Darlene Monty. She has. Who is a <laughs> contestant in the Miss Deep South okay. beauty pageant. And she's also the winner, apparently, of Miss, Miss Sugar, Bell. Sugar Bell. Sugar Bell. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Apparently, I there we have a it. this episode. Uh, it's noted here... Uh, that at one point, the working title of this episode was called Miss Dixie Peach. Wow. And it got changed to Miss Deep South somewhere along the way.
0: And the world is better for it.
1: Yes. Uh, but the TV Guide description, Sam, Scott Bakula, gets himself into a real beauty as Miss Sugarbell in a southern pageant. He must prevent a fellow contestant from making a tragic decision that will send her into oblivion.
0: Wow. <laughs> there you have it. Um, so Megan, Kelly, uh, what is your prior experience, not Megan, Kelly, because now, now everybody just oh, thinks something no. completely different. <laughs> Megan and Kelly, um, what, what are your uh, experiences or non-experiences with Quantum Leap as a television show?
3: Well, it's funny that the, the initial episode that you shared with us was the, the Leap Home, I think was the name of the episode. And that is actually the one episode of Quantum Leap, or at least a, a part of it that sticks in my mind, watching it when it aired, like, initially. And the the vision that I have in my head is the scene where Sam, um, sorry, uh, yes, Sam, he's playing the acoustic guitar, and he's playing John Lennon's Imagine for his sister, and his sister starts crying. And for some reason, that, and that was the first time I'd ever heard Imagine by John Lennon. So that's kind of, I thought it was interesting. That it was that episode out of the plethora of episodes that, was sent to us. So that's pretty much. And then he, like watching episodes here and there, like nothing that I've ever watched twice.
2: Yeah. And my experience, this is Megan, um, growing up, you know, it's kind of, one of those things I would see it here and there because when TV was live and I don't remember if it was on at eight o'clock, I remember being on at night. So I don't... I think maybe my dad had it on here and there, so I'd watch some of the episodes because I've had such nostalgia rewatching it and hearing the music Mm. being played. And I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot about this show. And I always enjoyed it, but it wasn't... I didn't see it as frequently as I I would like to. I always enjoyed the concept, so... And I always liked Scout Bakula, so...
3: It's funny that you mentioned the music because as soon as the theme song started, I was like, oh, they're using the Doogie Howser like synth piano at the beginning. (laughs) 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 It's...
1: Yes. It was written by Mike Post who did Dewey Hauser. Yeah. He did the original Law & Order theme. I was going to say it
2: sounded like Hill Street Blues too or like yes, Law & Order. You, you mm-hmm. play
1: like all Steven those Botchka. together doo, 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 all like cousins doo, of each other.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think that it's fascinating to me. I have a friend of mine uh, who's a trombone player and has worked with some composers and how uh, so many composers, you know, they're always working. And so they might be doing, you know, a piece for uh, a play or for a uh, film or television and it doesn't fit there. And then they just put it in their back pocket mm-hmm. and they use it later. But it sounds you know similar enough. And, and everybody's got their own style. It's like, you know, you you know, John mm-hmm. Williams music when you hear it, that sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, Mike Post is definitely no no different. Um, the, 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 the episode starts off uh, in, in a fashion similar enough to, you know, the leap-ins that we get in other Quantum Leap episodes. Uh, but there's a nice little in, – in my opinion, there's a nice little twist just because we only see him sort of from the shoulders up while he's on the bus. And so when he starts to walk off the bus, that's when we figure out that he's leapt into a woman again. There's not nice. really, you know, much – before that, he's wearing a poodle, poodle skirt. That poodle skirt. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the, the camera shot
1: up at the entire body. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, just
0: out of curiosity, so you've seen uh, other episodes? Had either one of you seen What Price Gloria, where he leaps into the secretary, or um another mother, where he leaps into the single mother?
2: It's been so long. I know I've seen him in some roles where he was a woman, but I couldn't be specific yeah. about it. Yeah, me neither.
0: Okay. The, the reason why I ask is because a comment that was made, um, and I, I can't remember if this was on a message board eons ago or what, uh, about how each of the episodes so far that have had him leaping into a woman – Deal with it in a, a little bit of a different way, uh, which I think ends up kind of being the saving grace of this mm-hmm. episode. Maybe I don't know; <laughs> okay. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> right. uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, so he's a woman. He's 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 uh, Miss Sugar Bell Why Sugar can't Bell? I remember that I uh, anyway? And, um, and and I
1: don't think yeah.
0: it clearly. I don't think it clearly I think it's his mom sending him off. Yeah, yeah. it
1: looks it looks that way. Her mom, her yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And we get the Boy, and opening credits, and then we we come back, same as walking into the lobby, and pretty soon she gets, uh, he meets Mm. uh, Peg Myers, the pageant coordinator.
0: Yes, oh Peg. Uh, Peg is actually played by, uh, a familiar face, at least if you, you know, were raised on Matlock like I was, mm. um, <laughs> um uh, Nancy Stafford, um, and she played, uh, one of the lawyers, um, on, uh, I, I think actually, I don't think she played his daughter. Maybe it was, maybe she did play his daughter. She's one of the lawyers. On the show. I can't remember now. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, and she, she's still working to this day, does a lot of, uh, uh, television and, and you know, made for TV movies, etc. But um, yeah, she is syrupy sweet and yeah. has a nice, yeah, Southern Belle mm-hmm. attitude about it all.
1: Yeah, and the first thing she notices that uh, Connie, or not Connie, but Darlene, uh, the woman that Sam has leaped into, walks like a man. Imagine that. Yeah,
3: definitely a little rigid there. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so she goes on to teach him the step and glide. Uh-huh.
3: That, which made me think of the bend and snap. Like I feel like I don't know, watched Legally Blonde, but like you know, like the glide, ben. totally, and snap, glide. Yeah. Anyway,
2: <laughs> anyway. De- Dennis was doing it very nicely too. The step and glide, step and glide. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, Paige is the the pageant coordinator, and the pageant is tomorrow night.
0: That's right. That's right. and, and a lot of prep time. No, no, not at all. Um, and you can tell that Sam is already not enthused about this at yeah. all. And we've gotten, even as recently as MIA, which is the second season finale, mm-hmm. at the beginning of that episode, Sam leaps in um, and, and thinks that he's a woman because he's actually a police officer uh, dressed in women's clothing and he's very upset at this, in fact, his line his line is, "Oh no, 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 Nothing no, deals. not again, not a woman again and so and so <laughs> while he's not that explicit about it, I, I think you, you you can see that he's not too enthusiastic about it. Uh, but as the episode goes on, mm-hmm. it seems like more of that has to come from the fact that he just he hates the position that he's in, sure, even more than he hates that he's leapt into a woman, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
3: especially because there seems to be a lot more writing on it. I mean, as it unfolds that like, it's not just that he's a woman. It's that there are stakes involved in this competition and this, you know, miss, uh, miss, uh, Connie, Connie. No. no, no. Or what's the, I don't remember the Misty pageant. Oh, oh, the name of the episode. Whoops.
0: Right. <laughs> <No, wait. laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, and then when you throw Connie into the mix, I think that it, it definitely, and it's an interesting, you know, the episode is interesting in so much as it almost he's almost got two missions, you know, he's got to help Connie, but he also has to make sure that Darlene still places. Um, She's in, got to in become that cardiologist. Yeah, uh, become cardiologist. yeah, that's right. That's right. Which when that scholarship, it, it, it's fascinating to me because, uh, you know, through no planning whatsoever. This episode ends up being kind of topical um because the Miss America pageant um which is no longer <laughs> to be called a pageant um it's a it's a competition now. There's there's actually a New York Times article that was just released um because there have been uh, a lot of changes. In fact, they're actually if you go to their website now they're oh. calling it Miss America 2.0. Um oh. yeah, and and it's it's really really interesting and it's also 50 years um since the protest um, that took place in Atlantic City outside of the Miss America pageant at the time, um, there were apparently they could not get um, a permit to have a fire, so they were not allowed to set their undergarments on fire. But there were, um, you know, a, a, a gathering of feminists that were protesting the pageant, and so they threw bras and underwear, etc., into a, a you know bunch of drum barrel drums. And then Mm. they were unable to have permits. So they couldn't actually set them on fire. Uh, but then they entered in and they went into the, the pageant and they hung a white banner. Um, that was, you know, that said something about, um, Oh, I, I can't remember now. And I don't want to mangle it, but it's, it's a really fascinating article. And they, they've done away now with, um, the swimsuit part of the, the competition, um, and it's, it was just really kind of fascinating that this article came out on the fifth and this announcement came out shortly there, you know, before or right around that time. And now here we are doing this episode.
1: Yeah. You know what? I remember about the Miss America pageant. It was being hosted by Bob Barker. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank God. That was a big, because when I was a kid, I loved the prices, right? Yeah. And any chance to see Bob Barker in prime time.
0: Sure. That's a good
2: night. That's skinny stick Mike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, bar, the bar was low in the Freymeyer household. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. It
1: is. Uh, so anyway, so uh, Sam fumbles through learning how to yeah. step and glide and step and glide um, and, and Peg basically doesn't, I don't think she says the word, <laughs> but essentially says, bless your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have until tomorrow night. Uh, Goes off, and then we are introduced to Connie.
0: Yeah, played by Heather McAdam, um, who uh, you know was working quite a bit in in like the uh, 80s and 90s got her start on a Kentucky Fried Chicken absolutely. commercial. Um, <laughs> which is oddly appropriate in a way for this episode. I don't know why. Uh, and uh, but she hasn't been I was looking at that too, I think like so. what was it 97 uh, at was the last IMDb, project so. that she did. Yeah.
3: Well,
1: the last one, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right.
1: Hopefully, she found something
0: else worthwhile. Well, it seems like she's got a recent headshot on IMDb, mm-hmm. so I just wonder if she's been doing more like, you know, theater mm-hmm. or, or what. I'm not, yeah, I really am. Unfortunately, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, Touched by an Angel was the last episode. Uh, in fact, the title of that episode is worth mentioning for no other reason than that it, it's Angel of Death.
2: Wait, mm-hmm. the name of uh, the episode is Angel of Death? Yeah,
0: uh, Touched by an Angel was oh, Angel of Death an angel. that she was in. Uh, um, uh, the interesting thing about her resume to me, though, is that she was on Sisters, um, which uh, <gasps> is I, I kind of hold up as being really one of the finer television shows of the 90s that falls Seal way Award. under the radar.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a good show. Yeah,
0: it was really, really good. Um, but anyway, yeah, so so we run into to Connie. Connie. She um, Miss Horde muffin. Oh, God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and so they, so they have like the little, you know, cute little introduction to each other. Um, and in this moment, it, it almost comes out of left field where Connie launches into her uh, her pageant speech. Yes. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, afterwards, yeah, cause you never know when you might need it. She has a line, you never know when you might need to be spontaneous.
0: <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wink. <laughs> yeah if by spontaneous you mean heavily rehearsed sure why not <laughs>
4: yeah and then, and then it
3: was get... shortly oh I'm sorry i was going to say and then shortly after that was when she runs into Clint, Clint. i don't know oh uh, yeah Clint Beaumont, Clint Beaumont. Mm-hmm. the smarmy photographer which when that introduction happened and she goes oh he has a really nice smile i'm like really it's nice really, like, really? He's, <laughs> he's
0: pretty gross dude uh, yeah. right smart, You know, it's yeah. one of those things. It, Dennis and I have talked about this before, especially in context of Quantum Leap. So I'm very interested in, in your take on it. But uh, oftentimes we get characters that are presented and they're just so over the top in one direction or another. And Dennis, of course, chalks it up to the economy of storytelling. I chalk it up to laziness. Um, but he is, he's so slimy and awful right from the get-go. Why yeah, would anyone yeah, want to that spend any time with That was definitely my them?
3: impression. It's
0: like the archetype of, archetype
2: of the guy that is the stereotype that is attractive enough and has enough power and, and allure that the unknown, naive person that wants to move forward sees that as a door that opens up and is too naive enough to see that he's just a wolf.
3: Right. It's
2: too naive enough to see but yeah, he's, he's
0: just a wolf. No, well, he's... Yeah. Which, he's, I, and especially with his interactions with, with Connie and, you know, what we find out later about Peg, uh, you, you do know enough about the world, mm-hmm. like just in general as human beings, that there are situations like that. And there are people like that that prey on, you know, people and and just to get whatever it is that they want, and, ah, but he's just so terrible. Uh,
4: Well, he has that
3: line. He says, careful what you wish for, you just might get it, but not, but in a threat, like, it was just something that he said that I'm like, ooh, I don't know, okay, that's (laughs) going to really, yikes, it's a little... A little threatening. I,
4: want to,
2: Clint. To I want to go back to the moment when, uh, Connie was still doing her pageant speech to, to Sam's yeah. character. Cause, um, I screamed at the TV when he stole her lines and, 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 and did her speech. I was, I was like, you, you,
4: I think, oh my gosh, you, you
2: did the backstabbing thing. And she's like, I'm surprised Connie was like, she did react in the way that was like, you, I thought you were, you have to look out for the nice ones. And and they were nice in the beginning and totally stole that line from her mouth. I was like, yeah. ooh, ooh, you got to watch that one, Sam. You but
3: gotta- then, like, he also, like, did it verbatim. And I was like, wow, great memory. Like, I couldn't remember that
4: whole thing. <laughs>
0: Well, it's funny that you say that because one of the things that is introduced about his character uh, towards the beginning of season two is that he has a photographic memory. Uh, Um, So it's not too much of a stretch for him to have been able to do that. Um, But yeah, it is such a shitty thing for him to do.
1: I don't know. To me, it's like it is a shitty thing for him to do, but also like watching that moment. Like, I watched this episode twice this past week, like once just casually with my wife, Betsy, and then, you know, again to like take notes on it. I get physically embarrassed for Sam because Mm. he knows he's doing a terrible thing as he's doing it, but he's on the spot.
0: Yeah. He's
2: in a rock and a hard place. So I saw his process. It wasn't malicious, but I'm thinking from Connie's perspective in that moment, you know, we're not internalizing or knowing Sam's plight. So for her, I was thinking from her perspective going, Oh, but yeah, absolutely his face. He's awkward about it. He doesn't want to deal with that, but he doesn't know what to say. It seems. Mm.
0: One of the things, too, that's really interesting to me about Sam throughout this episode is previous to this, there have been quite a few episodes where Sam really just slides right in to whoever it is that he's leapt into in a very sort of confident manner, and he's able to attack the situations. Uh, and here, he's so out of his element. And I think it, it is a really interesting commentary about the fact that you know he's a woman, and especially compared to another mother, because he is certainly out of his element at the beginning of that episode but really after about 5 minutes he's doing a pretty decent job of you know you know being in those in those shoes and you know i think in what price gloria he rather than kind of get you know getting into those shoes he um he's just kind of himself and it works but here he's so out of his element and and it's interesting to me to see that as compared to you know, he leaps into a soldier in Vietnam and he's never been a soldier in his life but by the end of the episode, he acquits himself pretty well. Mm. And here, that's not really the case at all. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. But then, not only are we introduced to uh, Clint in the scene, we are introduced to the mean girl of the episode. Oh, God. Uh, mm. It just so happens to be, we don't learn her name now, but later on we find out that she is Miss Confederacy. Oh, oh right.
2: that's awesome.
4: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> This episode – before
0: before we connected uh, with you two and, uh, and Dennis and I were just kind of sitting here talking, this episode, there's so – there's so much wrong with this episode and there's so many things that I feel like – I can't remember. What was the word I used earlier? Do you remember, Dennis? Like – yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, my brain is like mush <laughs> yeah. right now. Uh, yeah, there's so many problematic things about this episode, and some of them are problematic in such a way that they knew that they were problematic, and that was kind of mm-hmm. what they were trying to address with the episode. And then I feel like there are other things that are problematic that they were not aware of at all at the time. Like, they just did not have the awareness To understand, like, Al, for instance, is so problematic in this episode. Oh, my
4: God, yes.
0: (laughs) Voyeuristic,
2: creepy man.
3: seriously. I'm just
2: going
0: to ride this elevator down and look up skirts. Yeah. Mm. I mean...
3: Well, I'm going to go ogle her before I go... Yeah.
0: Oh, Al. One of the things I was even saying to Dennis earlier is that Al is no better... Than Clint, in some ways, he's worse yes, because yeah. it's like they don't know that he's there, right? Whereas with Clint, at least you know, he's a slime ball, sure, but he's a slime ball in person, so, <laughs> right. so it's you know, it's yeah, it's just well, so... he's just watching, but uh-huh. at least, yeah. so speaking about, yeah. we get
1: to the next scene where everybody's yeah. doing their, their intro meeting, and uh, uh Peg, the, the pageant coordinator, she's making some comment, like, you all bring your. This,
4: and
0: that's when Al pops in and Sam's like, yeah. Like, mm. it right, yeah, yeah. yeah at and, least I'm
1: grateful. They could have they been a lot worse with that line. Like, <laughs> they could have been a lot worse of a joke.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's at this point, too, where you get the idea that Sam – and it's interesting because I think that he would find it demeaning – even if he was like one of the male judges, um but he is finding it demeaning in this case because he's actually the one that is being demeaned and objectified um and you could tell through this conversation with Al that that's part of his problem with this whole leap that it's not just that he's mm-hmm. a woman, but it's like he's a woman in a beauty pageant mm-hmm. yeah he's not he's not, he's not happy about this whole thing i mean later later on when he goes into the interview section, he's like, yeah. He's yeah. like, what is you know, what does the way I look have to do with anything?
1: For sure, yeah. But yeah. also, I, I feel like that's you know, that, that that's kind of a, a, a naive thing, a naive trap that that Sam falls into. It's like, yes, he is going through this, and yes, this is a beauty pageant. But on any given day, women are objectified for their looks, and you know, uh, uh, as Betsy said, uh, get over it.
2: Well, and the very first pageant was literally the competition was literally a swimsuit competition yeah. that was it
3: like in the 1920s yeah
2: it was strictly how you looked
0: yeah well i I don't know I I, I I understand where you're coming from Dennis too with some of that stuff but I gotta be honest that I think that when it comes to Sam being upset and finding this demeaning and the objectification like he it's clear that he thinks that when he's not in a beauty pageant you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like at what price Gloria, it's it's clear there. And so I think for him, it's just that it's it's under a microscope in this situation. Oh, that it's not a case of, it, it, which this is no better, but it's not a case of, you know, a woman walking down the street and getting a cat call from somebody. This is a case of literally her entire worth is being based on whether or not she can win this competition. Sure. Uh, I just, I don't know. It's so, it's it's interesting. It's not a good episode. It's not good. <laughs> <fun. laughs> <laughs>
4: <sighs> but it
0: tries. Sure. And there are some hits. Mostly misses. <laughs> anyway. Sure.
1: So anyway. So anyway, <laughs> so, so so we get to the you know, so we get to the moment where uh Sam gets caught talking to himself, and so pay calls him out and, and invites him to stand up and, and say what being uh negative mystical would mean to him, and then we get to the moment that we previously touched on earlier where not really having any other choice in the moment he ends up stealing Connie's speech and we see Connie's uh, crossfallen heartbroken look at this and, and Sam like immediately realizes that he's he's kind of a shit deal for doing this
0: yeah but you know the interesting thing is is that Connie's very graceful about it all like she ends up you know forgiving him when they get because they're sharing a room together and sure. they and they go up and they're and, and they're getting into the room and she she ends up you know, forgiving him pretty quickly. Yeah.
2: Well, it's nice that he came out and actually apologized for the moment. It wasn't like, Hey, I stole this and that's the game. Absolutely. It was like, I'm so sorry. I was on, I was put on the spot and I just stole exactly what you said. And I don't remember what else he said, but it was nice that she was willing to take that and and empathize and be like, you're right. Okay, cool. Yeah. We're roomies. Yay. Right.
0: (laughs) And then she's excited about the TV. (laughs) Right. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so we get uh, Leave it to Beaver, which is the second time we've seen Sam John on TV on the show.
0: And we Leave it to Beaver's Bieber on, before. yeah. And the second time it's been an, an anachronism because the episode that is on the show and on the, on the TV doesn't air until like October of that year. Oh, that's you funny.
4: I,
1: thought about that? I mean, it's like when you're doing a TV show like this, like how strict do you want to stick to that kind of stuff?
0: Sure. Uh, yeah, I I, I I totally get that. It, 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 and, it, and at that time, it had to be a little bit more difficult, I would imagine. Like, in this day and age, it's so easy to find that information and know exactly when something aired, etc. But, you know, almost 30 years ago, it's – even in a studio – you you were gonna get a mislabeled tape, or you were just gonna get whatever was given to you. You know, it's like we need we need a clip from Leave It to Beaver. Uh, okay, great, I'll try and find something. As opposed to today, I would imagine that searching for a clip from Leave It to Beaver would be like, well, when does the episode take place? Okay, great, I got you. So it's like I, I think it's also kind of indicative of just when it was shot and the difficulty of doing that. Uh, yeah, for sure.
3: On the fact they were only a few months off versus like a like you know 10 years to be like, wait a minute, the show wasn't even born right. yet. You know, <laughs> you know to their, that, that's to a their great credit. point.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and we also get some background information about Connie, you know, being the, the farm girl and, and poor. And it's very reminiscent, honestly, of what we got from Edie in One Strobe Over the Line, you know, the sure. the poor farm girl who's hoping to break out with you know this and be a model or be in, be in pictures.
2: I want, some, yeah. they want I want something more to life than kids and catalogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think she like mom Is, <laughs> uh, is thirty six years old, has eight kids, the youngest is in diapers, and the most exciting thing is the Sears of Robux catalog. <laughs> and as Betsy and I were watching it this morning, she was like, "Jesus Christ!" Because Betsy is thirty six. <laughs> She was like, if I had been born 50 years earlier, oh, mm-hmm. my life would have Way been very different. <laughs>
2: different. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I, you know, that, that's the other thing, too. This episode is 60 years in the past. Um, God, almost exactly 60 years in the past. Um, but it still doesn't, I don't know, in my opinion, it just doesn't, it doesn't acquit itself well in, in that context. I don't know. Uh, but
1: anyway, uh, so yeah, so then Connie asks oh. Sam to Zipper, and this is where we get like the, the first of many creepy moments. <laughs> what was that? What, what, ladies, what do you all think about?
2: Kelly, would you like to share about the unzipping moment?
3: Well, <laughs> well, from Al, here, in my notes that I have, Al equals growth, like because he's just like looking at her. That's kind of all I have, but I mean. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, you know, you know, again, my context for the show, you know, was very limited. So, you know, kind of seeing that it's like, dude, I have a feeling that this is what we're working against in this episode. But, okay.
2: I appreciated Sam's attempts to uh, keep him at bay. Yeah. Uh, Since we already saw that he can be kind of creepy in the elevator. Or was that was that before that was this? Af- I That's think after? That was after. So this is the first time. Later. Okay. Is, yeah. yeah. So it was nice that he was unzipping uh, Connie, and and then he shooed him into the bathroom, yeah. so he wasn't watching her undress right. completely. So I like Sam's efforts. It was nice for him to, because like he, Al. yeah. <laughs> he knows Al. Al's Al's a creeper. Yeah. Because he knows
1: Al. Al's a creeper. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are moments I've brought up in previous episodes, like you know, because I fell in love. With, I started watching this episode when I was a kid, but there are moments that that Al does throughout the series. Like if I were just like flipping channels now and I came across some of these moments, I'd be like, oh, no,
0: not watching the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, because the thing is in, in this episode, mm-hmm. it's kind of being done for not kind of, I mean, it's basically comic relief. And mm-hmm. I feel like you couldn't do that for comic relief, at least certainly not in the same way today. Yeah.
1: But anyway, uh, so yeah, so they get into the bathroom and then we find out Sam's, um, we find out Sam's mission for the episode, uh, is that, uh, in the next, uh, sometime before the pageant starts, uh, Connie is, she's going to drop out. She's going to disappear. She's not going to participate. And she is never, she's never going to be seen, never going to be seen again.
0: Yeah. Which is a, interesting to say the least, um, I, I, I don't know uh it, it, it kind of I feel like it's uh, I don't know because it's like she's never seen again it's like does she does she die does she run away does she you know do we get any kind of sense of closure on what could happen to her and why not and I don't know it's just like she just disappears and then she's gone forever and that's it like there's no there's no other information that we've got at this point um and al wants to stick around uh to creep on connie some more and you know sam luckily chooses him away so that he can go get ziggy into overdrive to figure out what's going on for sure yeah yeah
1: mm. so we go to commercial break and then we come back and it's uh i, I just called this the parasol rehearsal
0: oh god oh <laughs> yes yes indeed yeah uh sam has a hair extension
3: he yes, does. he does.
1: He
0: sure does. A little tail. Which is tale. an odd thing
1: because you know, you like they'll do Sam's hair up when he leaps into a woman, uh, but like this is the first time like they've added an accessory on there.
3: What's interesting, I read that as as oh, we know Darlene has bigger hair, or has bigger hair than Sam does, and since she's in she's competing in a in a beauty pageant, she has a hair extension. So that was something that didn't like you know. Didn't seem weird to me. It took me a second to kind of register like, oh, I wonder if that's what they're going for. And-
2: well, and in those moments with the parasols, that's a very standard look. And a lot of women out there don't want to do their hair multiple times, so they plug that in. They they hairpiece it in. So if the hair is all up and that's just a little accessory, boom, and it's one competition, that's one way to just, you know, pin it on. Yeah. If it works right. Yeah.
0: Well, that makes sense, too, in the pageant environment, having to go through, like, the quick changes and everything, mm-hmm. you know, that it would require – Something for that sake. I yeah, I totally get that.
1: Yeah. Um. So yeah, so Sam he, he he steps up and they're doing their introductions, like you know saying who they are, what winning the pageant will mean to them, and he cannot he cannot get his parasol to close. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> parasol problems. And of course, as soon as he tells uh, Peg that's what's going on, he successfully closes it. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah.
2: The timing. How oh, did you ow, ever it's... get here?
4: <laughs>
3: oh yeah, yeah, that was. Was that Miss Mason Dixon? Oh no, that was Miss Confederacy. Miss Confederacy. Confederacy, yeah. Miss Confederacy. How did you
2: ever get here?
0: <laughs> oh, oh Miss Confederacy. Oh, yeah. So many thoughts went through my head when you know that that title came up, um, mm. and and especially having lived in the South for for a while, and, and sure, it's so. I mean, in 1958, of course, but it's For like, sure.
1: like even in 1990, we didn't have the conversations about like the Confederacy and, and, and pride of the Confederacy and what Confederate flag. Mm. And, like, I don't even feel like that conversation really started until the late 90s. Yeah. So, I mean, like things like that. Just, you know, I, you
0: know, I would, I would say that I think the conversation had started. I just think a lot of people weren't listening. Mm.
1: Fair point. Yeah. I mean, but like, like, <laughs> like, like, like the mainstream conversation right. of, of like. Yeah. Uh, you know, even now, in 2018, it shocks, shocks some of my people in my hometown. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Where's uh, your hometown?
4: But,
1: uh, my hometown is in southern Illinois, uh, mm. which, which uh, I say, unfortunately, like, they are in the heart of white county.
4: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And they might be that
1: way, yes. Uh, and then unfortunately, they, they have let their true colors show a little bit more uh, since the last presidential election
4: unfortunately. So, it's, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it just,
0: yeah. Which uh, like one of the thoughts that I had too is the whole idea of the lost cause is, is what it really brought to mind for me because here it is, she's being celebrated with this title and now she's in this, you know, pageant to, you know, win Miss Deep South. That's the other thing too. It's not, it's not just like Miss South and Miss Southern Belle. It's like Miss Deep South, you know, <laughs> that conjures mm. up all of these sort of images and feelings which I think you know, play into the fact that we're going to get some um, stock footage that's used later. Yes. And you just mm. kind of have to shake your head and be like, well, that <laughs> wouldn't be the case <laughs> in 1958 Alabama. Um, uh-huh. and, and, and the fact that, you know, yeah, that they would want to give her this title and, and celebrate that and, and that sure. lost cause mentality and that myth that sort of built around it, uh, it just feels so sad, honestly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So anyway, so Sam, um, uh, you know, he up the, the parasol bit. Well, they, they ran out of time. Now it's time for the pre fashion interviews. Uh, all the girls disperse. Al appears. We have the, you know, the hologram moment of the episode. Oh. We're, yeah. We're, uh, <laughs> we have the slapstick
3: moment with the dress and sitting down in a chair. I think you better oh, sit yeah, down, no, Sam. Uh, I think you better. I think up, Sam. So, yeah. <laughs> that was such. That is
1: such a weird. That was such a weird moment because, like, it was an obvious setup for a joke. That just fell flat. At oh, least
4: mm-hmm. it did
1: Yeah, I
2: was I was looking down, so when I heard it, I was like, "What's his deal?" And then I looked up and watched it again. I was like, "Oh, the hoop skirt moment." Oh, every lady's had that problem. She had to work around. You got to lift that up. I mean, bless his heart. Bless yep. his <laughs> heart.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then Clint shows up, or Connie says that that Clint has said like. There's some Hollywood scouts. They're scouting for the next picture. He wants to take some photos because he thinks that she has a real shot. Sam gives a little bit of effort to try to talk her out of it in the moment. And that's when they have this conversation. And this is where we find out kind of like the double mission of the sleep. is not just saving Connie, but he has to make sure that Connie has to come in and, or Darlene has to come in at least third because she uses the scholarship to go to college. And she becomes one of the top women cardiologists in the country and, and saves a lot of lives as a result
0: of that. Yeah. So I want to go back real quick because I do think it's worth just just talking about for a second, especially because I would like to hear what Megan and Kelly have to say about it, is that Al, in the hologram moment, is standing there and the women are passing through him. And when Miss Confederacy passes through him, she... Ooh! To steal... Yeah, yeah, thank you, yeah. It's, 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 she it's, reacts. I was going to steal a line from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, she gets a happy... And it's very... <laughs> yes! It's, Thank it's, you for that. What, what the hell do Huge we think of that? It's a little weird.
3: It was, I mean, it was another gross, like, it was another gross moment, you know, because he's, you know, a hologram and obviously can't, I don't know, he can't touch people and people can't touch him, that it was like, yeah, it was his... But then it made
2: me question how much of an effect he does have, if she could actually feel it, or some sort of a shimmer... Of whatever the form of a the glimmer. happy is. Sure. You know, it's just like, well, how, it made me question the world a little bit in terms of his <laughs> effect.
3: That's true. Because, yeah, if you take away Sam, she's looking at Darlene. So it's like, wait, is there something
1: else going on here? What, or was it just See, coincidence she turned, turned around? Just like, just coincidentally, as she walks through Al, her and another contestant, they turn and they're looking back to laugh at Darlene. And that time. was
2: where I was like, is it just a coincidence? And which it totally could work, that too. Yeah. They're
1: looking through Al, but obviously they don't realize
0: that. But then Al has that fantastic sure. line of like, even as a hologram, I still got it. Yeah. Right. And he does, in a, in a previous episode, which which I think it leaves it even more up in the air, is he does say that children, animals, and this is the line... Blondes with low IQs.
4: Oh, no.
0: And can usually see or hear him. Mm. So... Well... I
1: thought that was his wish.
0: Well, I'm not saying we should take it literally, but I mean, (laughs) just think in the the context of the scene. You do do have to sort of say, huh.
2: (laughs) I, I think the biggest question was because the look on her face didn't look didn't fully fit was behind her. You know, I was like, Oh, yeah. she could turn around that time that at that moment and be a total coincidence. But she had that, that happy shimmer. That wasn't like, like mocking. It was just like, ha ha ha. Right. Like, what are you <laughs> ha ha haing about yeah. if you were in effect? So I'm on the fence with that one.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I, so, so am I. So am I. Um, all right. So back so, to, back to Clint and Connie. So yes. yeah,
1: so yeah, Connie's going to go off and, and, and take some photos with Clint. Then we got, then we get to the hotel room and then we get to another weird joke that I just don't get, where, where Connie comes over to Sam and says, "Will you tie me up?" And Sam misunderstands that. Mm, yeah. Oh. Mm, mm. And I feel like Tommy Thompson has written some great episodes of the series. Uh, this was not one no. Of them, no, just because of like 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 moments like that, like we're like I can't imagine any other episode where Sam would have that misunderstanding of tie me up means something,
0: right?
3: Yeah, it just it just seemed like a cheap joke.
0: Absolutely,
3: or like an easy, an easy.
0: Well, you know that's a really great point because a lot of this episode ends up feeling that way, especially the situations that Sam gets put in and Scott Bakula, the actor. It's like let's put him in a bathing suit. Let's put him. Let's do that. Let's do you know and, and 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 let's make him Carmen Miranda. Like a lot of the situations in this episode don't make any sense other than let's. The visual game. Yeah, let's make a gag sure. out of this.
3: Well, and that's the other question, you know, with it being 2018 and recognizing that the show was made in the 80s, it's that the fact that that is a punchline. A man dressing up as a woman is a punchline, and it's it's a sight gag. And in this, you know, day and age of you know transgender exception, um, you know, exception and transgender rights and being more conscious of those kinds of choices in TV shows, it is a fine line because it's like, well, it was the eighties. Like those conversations weren't happening back then, but it is something that, you know, triggers in my brain of like, Oh gosh, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a joke that a man is dressing as a woman. Is
2: this 1990? Is this 19? 19...
3: 1990,
2: yeah. 1990. Oh, it's 1990. Close enough though. No, it's I mean, still, still, still right, right. It's still yeah, 28 years
0: ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and right. that's a, Excellent, excellent point, because I I think one of the things that the show is exploring, and we always try to put the show in the context of when it aired, of today, and when it was set, and I think looking at it when it aired, the concept of, you know, having him as a woman and encounter some of these issues, while not necessarily being revolutionary by any means, was definitely outside of the box when it came to your normal primetime television. And it allowed them to explore some stuff that seemed to be a little bit more, you know, liberal than, than, than what you might get on your regular, you know, evening programming on NBC. That said, you're right. In 2018, it, it plays very poorly, especially with the focus that I think has been put on gender diversity over the past couple of years in particular. And because it is a punchline, it is a gag. Um, it is a man in woman's clothing as opposed to someone who's just wearing the clothing of their choice. And it's one of those episodes that unfortunately I feel like doesn't hold up very well um, for many reasons, but that's certainly one of them. For
3: sure. Well, and I think that like to that, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dennis, I was just going to say, and, and to kind of to that end, um, Sam, when you brought up that line about um, during the interview, when Sam said something like, "Why do you need to know my measurements?" um the whole the absurdity of the question of verify if you're still a virgin and oh, like signing up a, like a chastity that. contract or something. Gross. It's like calling. You know, he was calling attention, whether it be because he was uncomfortable or you know the at like the character of Sam was making a statement and bringing that to light of that's absurd and ridiculous. For women to have to state those things for a competition, like it did, it did, like, kind of stick to me. Like, okay, I kind of read that as they're saying something about that because back in 1990, somebody watching it for the first time and hearing that, it might got might have gotten people to stop and think for a second, oh, yeah, why?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, I will note, oh, I'm sorry, no, no. I,
2: I, I will talk about the swimsuit itself. I did notice that. Sam was the only one that had the little the little skirt over, and mm. I understand that's more a little hiding, um, not being a grape smuggler for everyone else there out there, I guess.
3: <laughs> it was so, as
2: liberal as this show was in the day, it's very conservative Indeed. now.
4: Yes.
3: Although when he turned around, like there's was, there was some cuppage of the of the buttocks. He's in good shape, you know? He's in good like, shape.
0: Yeah, he works out. It's funny. One of the things that Dennis and I have even talked about is that he is is, is probably in better shape now in the series than he was to begin with. And he was never in bad shape, but even like the tone on his arms, but in this case, the legs and yeah, his, his rear end, it's there's... His tuchus. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But to to, to speak to your point, like, jump ahead to the swimsuit thing. Uh It's like, this is interesting to know. this is trivia that's in uh, uh, Matt Dale's trivia book that we reference a lot on the show is one of the things that Tommy Thompson loved about writing this episode was putting Scott Bakula through the torture of having to dress up as a woman, having to dress up in the swimsuit.
4: Hmm.
1: And so I mean, it's a personal but, joke. Yeah. So I'm mean, so going <laughs> to touch back on your, on your hmm. point Kelly about like, you know, it, it, it being a, a really unfortunate, tasteless joke now of like the joke of seeing a man dress up as a woman. Like part of this episode was written just as a cruel joke on Scott Bakula.
0: Hmm. Right. Hmm. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is it's like, how, I mean, how awful is that, that you have a, a writer who thinks that the way to have fun at an actor's expense is to, you know, put him in a, a woman's bathing suit?
1: For sure. And gonna, I, did, I did not picture this episode going this way, but let's just go ahead and tear it apart. Uh, another, <laughs> another, another thing book that I just read, like, before we started recording was that uh, Tommy Thompson, like, when he wrote, the, like, like the scene that we're going to get to here in a minute of, of Connie. Being oh yeah. To too undressing for play. Mm. like he re- like he did not realize how serious and messed up that scene was when mm-hmm. they filmed it.
0: Yeah. Like mm. as he was
1: writing it, he had no problem with it, and then they filmed it, and then he realized just just how messed up that was. Well, mm. it, it,
0: I was uncomfortable watching it. Oh God, yeah. You know, like it was very. The thing is that. I think Heather McAdam does does a, a really nice job in the scene. You know, Clint is so cardboard that it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, he's a cardboard cut out of a, just a sexual predator. So, you know, it's like, all I need to know about him is that. And that's all he is. Yeah. And that's fine because it doesn't really matter that he's anything else. But yeah, I, watching the scene was not easy. It was, it, uh, yeah. I it's was the universal
2: bad. casting couch.
0: Yeah. Welcome. It's,
3: it's, it's the Me Too movement. It's Harvey Weinstein. It's like, you got to give me
2: something to go somewhere, and uh, this is how you make it, kid. I see potential, but you got to give me some cookies of some sort. And it's yeah. just it's it's a quid pro quo. But really, I'm just going to use you and churn you out, mm-hmm. churn and spit you out.
0: And, and how how crazy is it? Not crazy. It's the wrong word. Disturbing. How disturbing is it that watching this scene? you know, easily skeeved us all out, made us uncomfortable that the reality of what so many people have faced is even more disturbing and disgusting than oh, what this was. tame. Mean, yeah. This
2: was tame. It's so common. Um, yeah.
3: I actually just saw a video. I think it was um Asia Argento who just gave, she gave a speech at the, the Cannes festival, the movie festival. And in essence, called out Harvey Weinstein for raping her when she was 21 and making it in the, you know, trying to make it in the movie industry, as well as calling out a lot of people in that room yeah. and saying like, we know who you are now. And you this were is...
2: accomplices. Yeah. You're
3: culpable. Exactly. So, I mean, and again, this <laughs> going back to this episode was made in 1990. It is now 2018 and it is just now being brought to light and people are being held accountable.
0: Yep. Yeah, it, it's so interesting because I, I, I love old Hollywood and I love old movies and reading, um, you know, bios of, of certain actors and there are, uh, you know, Spencer Tracy is probably one of my favorites and he uh, talks about and, and, you know, to one of his biographers or something um, very flippantly about an actress and I, I I know if I say the name I'm going to get it wrong so I won't say it, but he talks about an actress and about how, you um, yeah, very flippantly, he's basically like, you know, everybody had her, but I had her first. So that was, you know, Ew. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, ah, you know, and, and, and that there are other actors of that same era, um, that, that, you know, would, would have to go to the casting couch in order to, to get anywhere and that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't as big of a secret as I think on, we, we make it out to be today. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like this is this is not a secret. It's just we're talking about it and again. It's like it's like the conversation was happening, just nobody was listening. Um, mm-hmm. And now More caring. Well, yeah. right. And the thing, you know, the Ozzy Argento thing is is so incredibly sad to me because she ended up engaging in a relationship with Harvey Weinstein for a while after the first encounter. And for some people, seeing their reactions to that, it, they think that it negates the fact that their first Mm -hmm. sexual encounter was a rape. And it's like, no, that's not the case at all. Um, yeah, I, I, man. (sighs) And again, having been in, you know, and, and it's not exclusive at all to, you know, the acting world or anything, but having seen people that have basically had to, um, get subjected to, you know, whether or not it's sexual assault, certainly, um, put themselves in situations that had to feel demeaning to them afterwards because, you know, a director is a misogynistic prick or something like that. Well,
3: it's like, I feel like for myself too, like be, you know, since a lot of this is coming to light fairly recently, I'm more aware of it now. So I feel like a lot of it that was already ingrained in society and something that was just socially just accepted that I just didn't even think about, like, you know, situations that would happen of, like, being catcalled or, you know, having, you know, somebody say something to me out of the blue, like, you know, for no reason a stranger, not even thinking about these things, but then just being very hyper aware of those situations and being like, oh, wow, this happens a lot, and it was just accepted, even for, you know, from personally, too. I
2: think it's a matter of empowerment and I think the change, the shift in time where women at least are, are, are getting uh, support now and vocalizing and I think they're seeing, uh, their speaking up is now being listened to mm. and there is a cause and effect because even when you, you're like, well, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah, you kind of roll your eyes. That guy's a creepo. Let me just say, stay away from him. But that's the most you might get. You know, like I just avoid that, but because no one ever actually felt empowered or listened to, and it's just it's nice to have this new movement for people to be empowered and and actually victims to be, to be listened to because half the time it's he said she said.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but then you also have the full spectrum where there's that whiplash backlash to all the men that are just afraid to just exist because they're afraid they're going to be somebody's next to me too. And my thing is like, um, you don't have to worry if you don't physically sexually assault someone. <laughs> Calm down come down. Yes, there are people out there that will lie, but for the most part, that's not what's going on. I mean, there are exceptions to all these rules and it's you hopefully just listen to someone that is actually speaking from pain and that you listen to them and support them and get them out of that situation, but absolutely. I don't know. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I mean, now that we've mentioned Azia Argento, I just want to give a quick shout because, you know, this is going to be a weird tangent, but one of her biggest supporters uh, is the unfortunately recently deceased Anthony Bourdain. Um, mm. the two them were were a couple for a while. I don't know if they still were at the time of his suicide, but um, yeah, I, you know, I think it was, it was to, to be able to have, um, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I was going to try to say, but I, I just, I couldn't help but not think of him um, because he was one of her biggest supporters sure. and, you know, was on record as, you know, saying how incredibly strong uh, and brave he, that he thought that she was for, for, for doing that. And not that, you know, she needed him to validate that in any way or that, you know, any of the rest of us need that at all either, but sure. just for the... Sake of being topical and also kind of taking a moment to honor a guy who was pretty fucking incredible and, and yeah, and yeah, a lot of people could, could learn something from him. Yeah, um, and j-
1: just as a, a programming note, we're actually recording this just a few days after uh, his death. This won't come out until probably maybe early July, but yeah, this is just a few days afterwards. So, yeah, uh, so yeah, but anyway, speaking of programming, get back on uh, <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> tangent, y'all. Good yeah. tangent. No, 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 I mean. It's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what we do. Uh, so we've covered a lot of ground. So, um, uh, so the the pictures have been taken even before yeah. then. Connie and Sam ha- have a fight where where Connie calls him out again for having stolen her mm. speech at that intro meeting, as Phillips. like mm. like no, like I have to watch out for you. Like you're the nice one, but you're the worst one. Uh, and, and so she storms out. Sam chases after her. That's when she gets pulled in by Peg when Sam gets pulled in by pay to do the, the pre-pageant interview, and that's when we have that uh, purity, the, contract.
0: The purity contract. purity
1: contract. The guy's line, uh, you know, yeah, signing the thing that you want—that you are a virgin. Yeah. She made the comment, like, he could not have said that line any previous <laughs>
2: Yep. He's like, so, uh, what are your measurements?
0: Uh, oh, yeah. God. Oh.
1: <laughs> and it does make uh, me wonder, is up until how recently were those questions asked for, Same Miss America?
2: I knew you had I'm to ju- be I'm sure, I'm sure, single. I'm sure the
1: question about about virginity mm. probably dropped away, but even like for measurements, I could see that still being a thing up until a few years ago.
2: Absolutely,
3: funny you say that. I, just out of curiosity, I I googled just pageants t- today, and I found an application for uh, Miss Bahamas, I think, oh, boy. and I clicked on it to see what it involved, and. All of the, the – it asks for your measurements in in that particular application still. Well, but I also,
2: as an actor as well, you're asked for your measurements at every audition. And if they supply you with costumes, um, maybe they supply them. I don't know that that's a fact. Good, that's a good point. So I don't know what the measurements are for other than are these just restricting me from getting in? Like are, are there dimensions that say, yes, you are approved to to move to the next stage of consideration or not?
3: Or is it like there's going to be a uniform where everyone will be wearing it and we need to know your measurements? That's a good point.
2: That's my silver lining. I'm probably, who knows? Well,
3: I'm I'm not making any judgments. I just found it interesting that Googling that and that application popped
0: up.
4: Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. It's such a weird, weird world. And, I mean, obviously when you look at the the way that it's sprung out and especially with, like, the youth pageants that there are and how incredibly creepy that gets and the sexualization of young girls and, and, and all the way through up until Miss Teen to Miss America to you know, and it's, 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 I don't know. And the thing is, is I can remember as a kid, it was, it was a big deal, you know, that once a year we watched the pageant and we all sat there and we were like, you know, who do you think is going to win and who, you know, who do you like the most or whatever? Um, Yeah, such a damn weird thing looking back on it. Like, I can't, I mean, call me crazy, and 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 there are people out there that are fans and that do it and that are on the board, but I just can't for the life of me wrap my head around why the hell the world needs that.
2: I'll I'll give you a little story, um, and it's Please. not necessarily for the Miss America. Like when I first moved here to Chicago, I had some friends South Side people out in, <laughs> in the suburbs, and every year they would have a Miss America pageant the night of the pageant, and what we would do is we would bring all of our old prom dresses, wedding dresses, dresses you like have bought once and have never worn again. And we have a night where all the ladies come together and put on and all the different outfits and have changes and have food and drinks and, and have a – then we all vote and think of who we're going who, – who might actually win. And then we have our own internal Miss America pageant. It was just fun – and pageantry—it was about girls being together. It Was never about—I mean, because it was just a bunch of women being silly and getting to wear their dresses. Because my goodness, you spend that money, you better have a good time to use it again. <laughs> and it was—it was fun. And and we'd be like, oh, she did. She walked so nicely. She did a really good job on that talent portion. You know, it's—it's it's funny how as women we would also critique the the pageant um, talent and the women there. And it's just like, eh. she answered that really badly. You know, very catty, but most of it wasn't catty. It was more like, I'm really digging this person. And it's funny. I don't know, just having experienced that like three or four different times where I was like, I would never have watched this in my adult life without having um, our own personal pageantry fun. But I get it to a degree. I mean, to a degree. If it's entertainment. Now, if it's your life stake and your well-being, it better be a good scholarship to do all that. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A uh, quick question before you kind of springing off of that and also going back to a moment earlier in the episode um, where Connie does get mad at Sam and, and, you know, says that thing about, oh, it's always the nice ones. And not to get like too like, you know, patronizing with this or whatever, but I, I think we've been sort of taught to believe that, um, you know, relationships between women sometimes are um, contentious uh, uh and, and that there's not you know the ability to trust and that sort of stuff so I, i'm just curious as to what your thoughts and feelings are in that particular moment in that scene and the way that connie you know kind of thinks that that sam slash Darlene is is trying to you know get in her way
2: it's unfortunate uh at times where especially in those in those situations where you are competing against other women um i wasn't surprised by her tone like it's always the nice ones those are the ones that You know, it's like keeping your enemies close sort of a thing where it's like, I'm going to keep an eye on those nice ones. You always got to watch out for them because they'll stab you in the back. The other ones, you know how to avoid. Um, But hopefully I think more women don't try and sabotage each other. I mean, I'm sure there's that, but it's. Hopefully it's just a fun experience and people aren't just saying that to the TV and they're actually enjoying themselves because it's it, – having those moments of the sisterliness and the bonding with women is such a great, innate, wonderful chemical thing. But it's true. Women can be bitches and, and it's sometimes easier to be friends with men because you don't have to deal with the cattiness. But I also understand it's, – it's, it's what do you want out of this and what are people willing to put themselves so- – it's being vulnerable too. So it's – if you're – not putting yourself out there and you're always playing defensive.
3: It kind of makes me think of a line from mean girls that it's It's the line, like kind of toward the end of the movie where Tina Fey is addressing all of the, the burn book and the horrible things that were said about, you know, the girls in the class. And she goes, you've got to stop calling each other sluts and whores. It's just going to make it okay for guys to call you sluts and whores. And it's like, it's, you know, for me, it was in that moment of, you know, trying to call attention to that of as, you know, you know, women, we've got to lift each other, lift up. each other
2: up. That's exactly what I was about to say. And it's so true. And it's just fundamental to happiness, man. <laughs> yeah,
0: It's so fascinating to me. And I mean, we've gone all over the place with this episode and I promise we're going to get back to to actual quantum leap here in a second. But it is fascinating to me that, the you know, the, hearing the way that you talk about like, lifting one another up and, and that when you do hear that, um, you know, from women or directed at women, that it usually has such a a positive, um, result. And then the flip side of that with the way that you've got all of the, you know, men who are afraid of losing their masculinity out there and the, and sort of the way that they decide to lift themselves up and how completely negative it usually is and how, Mm -hmm. and how the way for them to lift themselves up is at the expense of putting others down um, mm-hmm. and and I think that and while I, I do think that unfortunately no matter you know where you are, there are going to be people, whether it's you know a, in a division of sexes or races or whatever, you're going to have people that want to put someone else down in order to get ahead. That's you know there, there's unfortunately that's kind of in human nature, but I think that it's much more prevalent in, in like these, you know, these men's groups or whatever. There's actually a science fiction author that I was reading about. He's like a YA sci-fi author and he got to start writing like the Christmas box or some shit like that or whatever. But recently mm-hmm. he came under fire for sexually harassing um, other authors and basically being Clint going around to like young female authors at these conventions and, and, you know, kind of being like, Hey, you know, I can get you a publishing deal, just, you know, whatever. And, and, and he also has this retreat for men that he uh, owns or sponsors or whatever. And it's just about men being able to get together and be men again. And it's like, when did you stop? Like, where, like, what? Right, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> well,
3: it's just, it's just that thought of, <laughs> and I feel like it's just a, it's a vicious chain because uh. of like, you know, like, you know, men growing up you know when they're boys like you're taught you know don't cry don't express emotion like that's not a man you gotta be a man you know and and like that's another thing that needs to that needs to be addressed too because like that's not healthy and it's what perpetuates this problem
2: well i think when a lot of men get together and you could also correct me sometimes (laughs) a lot of men have to get away from you go to a place that they're not told what to do, or, or nagged, or uh, have the approval to do whatever they want and, and drink the beers and do the things.
0: Right. the definition of what it
1: means. To that one, I guess. But, uh, I've been thinking about it a lot especially the last few months with you know everything going on with like the like the me too movement and toxic masculinity, and like thinking about like ingrained behavior and beliefs that I have and just like unpacking that like where did I learn that like I obviously learned it like I you know I I, I have these thoughts uh you know I like even like you know to what you just said Kelly about like like you don't Cry, you don't show emotion or or things like that. Uh, Betsy and I were together for five years before she got me saw me cry, and it was in a show, and a performance, uh, you, know, cause, you know, things like that. It's just unpacking where we where we get those beliefs. Redefining what is a man and, and allowing
0: people to show vulnerability and emotion, and that is manly. That is strong. Yeah. We're all Right. Absolutely. There's, um, this is uh, another wild tangent, but there's a trilogy of books, uh, written by Pat Barker, the regeneration trilogy. And, um, you know, she's a female author uh, and the main character is a, is a gay male. Um, and it takes place during world war one. Um, so it's, you know, obviously much more taboo for that. And, uh, I I ended up actually writing a paper on this when I was in college, uh, and about the way that I, I think the vision of masculinity, uh, in these books, it was so fascinating to me and, and how, you know, Billy Pryor, who's the character in the books, he, he often thinks, and again, this is like pre John Wayne, but it was just the parallel that I drew when I was writing, but he obviously thinks that he has to be that kind of man, that kind of guy. And then, uh, as you, know, you delve further into his character and who he is as a human being, you realize that, you know, that there shouldn't be any sort of set definition of masculinity. Um, That, like, with everything, it's much more fluid, that there's a spectrum, and uh, that it's, you know, acceptance is the most important thing. I can remember as a kid, I loved makeup. I loved painting my nails. I loved getting into my mom's makeup. And I remember how I was told that that was wrong. And... So I doing it. And it's funny because I was listening to somebody talk just a couple of weeks ago about how he wears nail polish and like he loves wearing nail polish and that people look at him and think that that means that he's not a man, that he's not tough, that he's not, you know, all this sort of stuff. And yet that's not true at all. He's actually a very tough guy. It's a guy who like blew his knee out and, you know, acted like nothing happened and, you know, finished the project that he was working on with a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Um Right. And so it's like, and so it's just, it it is, it is strange the way that these constructs have, have kind of, I think, prohibited people from maybe expressing themselves and, and finding the acceptance and being able to offer the acceptance when it, you know, should be so readily available.
1: Yeah. But I was just saying about that this morning, because, uh, Betsy, she recently painted her, her fingernails like a bright red. And our son, who's 15 months old, is very fascinated with her nails now. Totally. Uh, And so I I was just like thinking ahead, like thinking about, you know, like three or four years down the road, what if he wants to paint his fingernails one day? And it's like, I want to let him do it. Yeah, But it's not like me not wanting to do that. It's like probably will have to have the conversation with him that if you paint your fingernails when you go to school, people are unfortunately going to say something. It's like having that conversation but not having the conversation that is quote-unquote wrong.
2: Wrong. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Sure.
3: Like, like wanting to protect him as a father. Uh, yes. Yeah. For, for,
2: from other people's from reactions. From other people's reactions yeah. to it, yeah.
3: right.
0: Well, I think it's fascinating because Sam Beckett wears makeup in this episode.
4: <laughs> yes, he
3: does. And yet
0: it makes him no less of a man, if you will. In the
4: industry, we <laughs> you know.
0: No. <laughs> um, especially is. when he gets to uh, confront Clint. You know, yeah. in a very so physical the manner.
1: Side, so, <laughs> uh, Well, no, we, before we get to the pull side, we get to, to Sam coming back from the interview. Oh, and
0: Connie's and, in the shower. Yeah. And, and
1: Connie's in the shower. And, uh, you know, like, I, I jotted down here, it's like, the last time he saw Connie, she was going off to get photos taken. Mm-hmm. What did Sam think he was going to walk into? Because he find a nonchalant, hey, I lost you down, blah, blah, blah.
0: I think he's hoping that she didn't do it, maybe? I don't, okay. know.
1: Yeah. I don't
3: know. That was kind of my take, is that, yeah, he was hoping that she listened to him at the end of the, end of the day. And didn't go over.
1: Sure, yeah. But then, yeah, he comes in the shower, and she is you know, curled in the shower with the hot water running over. Her. And, um, so basically, yeah, she, in the next scene, she explains that everything that, that happened, they do clarify that, nothing physical happened beyond the photos. Not that Clint did not
0: try. Yeah. Cause I think that's one of Sam's fears. It's actually oh God, yeah. one of the moments of the episode that I think works really well because Sam's playing it with some levity and trying to be kind of softer towards her. And, you know, even makes the joke about you're going to shrivel up in there and then finds her in this way. And then things, you know, kind of turn and do get more serious. And I think Sam is very concerned that she was assaulted. Um, but then she, you know, says no, but like you say, not that he didn't try. Yeah, well, um, well,
1: I say it's been over a decade since I watched this episode. Yeah. And for a moment, I was afraid that that's where it had gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it had
4: gone even further. Mm-hmm.
2: Did, you, Did guys- you guys notice in the scene where he was uh, trying to entice her to do what she needed to do, he never actually used the words. I don't know if there's a purpose in the writing, so it didn't come from the man. Like He's like, um, you, what does he say? I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. I think that you've you can go to the top. I really do, but you gotta, you know, give me something in order to get there. And she's the one she's like, What? He's like you. He's like, now you know what sells in Hollywood today. Sex appeal. And that he's still innuendoing what she needs to do. She's the one that literally went. You want me to take my clothes off, That's don't right. you? He
3: never said that.
2: Yeah. I found it really intriguing that, one, she was quite aware as to the situation, and two, it, she's the one that literally said the words, and he was all innuendo. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was interesting.
0: I mean, I, I, I guess—and and this might be getting too deep into his character because there's not a lot there, but maybe— That's one of the way that Clint justifies what he does is is by trying to manipulate them into making it their idea so that he doesn't have to feel like the rat bastard who tells them you have to take your clothes off Mm -hmm. in order to get somewhere.
3: Or, was, or that he could actually say, "Hey, I never told her to take her clothes yeah. off." Right? I she, never. It, I never. She said, said, that. said it. She said it. Right? Yeah.
2: It's funny. I was watching I was this was with my husband. husband. He's that like, "That, is, that awesome. is the Dollar Store Matthew McConaughey from." He's like, "All right, all right, all right." Like, you know? Oh yeah, the Dollar Store Matthew McConaughey. I was like, "Oh my god, that's awesome." If, what,
1: what, what's the actor's name? Oh. If the actor who played. <laughs> Mitt Beaumont is on Twitter. I'm going to tag him
0: on our Twitter account oh, as the Dollar Store Matthew McConaughey. I mean, Dollar Store might be giving too much credit. Dime might Store might be, be closer.
2: Mean, <laughs> the, and, the five and dime. The
3: five and dime.
0: The five and dime. Matthew oh, McConaughey. David <laughs> Allen Brooks, by the way, is that actor's name. Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, <laughs>
2: puts his... He yeah, so we- puts his finger on her chin and is just like, "I want you to do whatever you want to do." Ugh. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna empower yeah. you, child, to do what you don't want to do. But. <sighs> oh,
3: God, that, well,
4: that and is, then as she's so
3: like oddity. starting, when <laughs> as she's starting to like take off her clothes, like how it's so gross. How he's com- he's complimenting her the whole yeah. time. Oh. Of like, oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, you're
2: well. Those, well, those yeah, pictures yeah. don't turn out so well. And you have a girl crying, and she's supposed to be on a calendar looking all sexy. Oh, so. oh. oh no! Not this, unless Mother Russia. Uh, the tears are for ew. joy.
4: <laughs>
0: I got
3: bread today.
0: Oh, no, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> we needed that. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, we did miss Skip Over Sam uh, dancing to uh, Quanta Le Oh, God. For, part of the, for the talent portion.
0: Which is fairly iconic <laughs> because it's something that's featured in the opening credits. Uh, sure. uh, yeah. So so it's one of those scenes that, like, even if you've not seen this episode, you've probably seen him in that outfit.
1: You're re- uh, re-watching the, the opening credits this morning with more critical eye. It's either shots of Sam as a woman, Sam <laughs> kissing <laughs> a woman. Or Sam punching somebody. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All to the felsatones of Mike Post theme song.
0: That's America. <laughs> <laughs> um.
3: <laughs> Three selling points. I yeah. couldn't tell,
2: because I don't know the song well enough um, for the song that he was singing, if Al was giving him the words on the beat or right before it for him to try and sing it, or was Sam singing it after
0: it, I couldn't tell. It, it sounded to me, and I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it did sound to me like Al was actually singing on the beat and Sam was trying to copy him, which made him late. Just a little That's after. That's
3: what I, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's also interesting Anytime we get to hear Dean Stockwell sing, because it's not something that he he enjoys, but it's not necessarily something he'll ever be known for. <laughs>
1: yeah. He does a rap in an upcoming episode.
0: <laughs>
2: What?
1: That's true. Does he wear true. that same
2: jacket too? That no, yeah, silver yeah. jacket. Actually,
1: his outfit is much more fabulous in the episode where he where he raps. But. Yeah, it's, I didn't know it was possible.
0: <laughs>
1: <Exciting>. Stick
0: around, <laughs> you'll see. Uh,
1: oh my! Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we we did uh, several weeks ago. We did actually an interview with uh, Jean-Pierre Dorliac, who was the costume designer on Twenty. Yes, and nice. So, so we were talking about all of the, you know, all of the strange outfits that he, that he put Al in. And it was so, it was so, because, like, when I was a kid, I wanted nothing more than Al Calabici's entire mm-hmm.
4: <laughs>
1: Nothing more than that. <laughs> and, uh, so when we were interviewing him, I had all these questions, like, like, what was his thought process was, like, the future, like, blah, blah, blah. And he just, like, totally dismissed me. he was just like, I was just trying to make him look as gaudy and awful as possible. Yeah.
0: <laughs> crushed soul <laughs> yeah i
1: was like all right
0: yeah <laughs> fair enough <laughs> um yeah there, there's also the it doesn't sam have a line when they're backstage before he starts singing about how humiliating it all is for him
1: probably been what how,
0: how humiliating everything oh, is yeah. for him like yeah like to have to go out there and do this yeah, yeah. and then he fails miserably it's pretty bad
4: mm-hmm <laughs> He is.
0: It. It's true. It's also the first time we get to the, uh, the site of the Jerry Lee Lewis poster, so it doesn't come oh, out yes. of nowhere mm-hmm. That yeah. will come out of nowhere
1: And so now we catch up. Sam yes, and
0: Sam Connie and Connie on the, the bed. Conversation. and conversation, yeah, yeah.
1: pictures were taken, nothing more going <coughs> beyond that. And now we get into um, the bathing suits. Yeah, Peg comes in. Okay, Connie, you're sick. You're gonna stay out of the photo shoot for the bathing suits, but but Sam, you're expected. Side of your bathing suit, and this is where we get you know the sequence where we just talked about earlier. Sam is the only one who has a skirt, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. Well, it would have just been improper if he had not, (laughs) um, said. yeah. And we, (laughs) you know, one of the other things too about this episode that almost kind of proves how thin it is, if you ask me, is that we get a very extended sequence of this photo shoot, like, there, you know, this could have been. Character development for someone—I mean, I don't know—that's half joking, but seriously, there's there's this extended photo shoot for the uh, swimsuit. There's mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of stuff in this episode. All the you know going through all the pageantry and all these scenes and everything that I think could have just been hinted at, and we could have gotten a little bit more you know, yeah, meat to the episode. But I also you know.
1: that, that that speaks to the, it, it's the visual gag of seeing well a man in a woman's swimsuit and just like put him in all these different positions. right, well, well.
3: I also found it interesting too because it made me start to wonder how tall scott Bakula is and how tall the actress who plays darlene like when we see her in the mirror how tall she is yeah because he's clearly he's taller than all the girls but then i feel like there's that one scene i feel like it's back when darlene, darlene was comforting connie after the whole ordeal but in the mirror she's kind of like hunching over like she is that tall but needed to kind of bend down to comfort her while they're looking in the mirror together that's kind of arbitrary but i, I found no, it <laughs>
1: you know, we, you know, we, we've talked about that a lot like that's a thing that they obviously gloss over for the show uh sure. more or less when they look in the mirror the, the mirror image looks about the same height as scott Bakula. Mm. For the most
0: part. Yeah. And it's actually, that's a, that's a really good point though, because uh, we didn't bring it up. And I do think it's worth noting that the, I think that the mirror work in the episode is is pretty well done. And furthermore that the woman who plays the mirror image has some really mm. great opportunities to play off of, you know, whatever it is that Scott Bakula as Sam is doing, whether he seems to be kind of disgusted with the situation or uncomfortable or whatever. And it, and it actually works out. And, and to me is one of the more amusing aspects of an episode filled with attempts at being amusing, so. Mm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So at the pool, after the the photo shoot montage, Sam more or less confronts Clint after Clint tries to pull him over to take pictures, and then it escalates to Sam grabbing the the camera bag, pulling Peg over and says, you know, it's it's your responsibility to take care of the contestants. He's doing private photo shoots in his room. Check out the film. Yeah, and then immediately backfires when Peg says whoever's on the film is disqualified. Yeah,
4: mm.
1: and then they get the film developed shockingly quick.
4: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I,
2: what's the name of the? the is it Peg or uh, what's the name of the lady that runs the Peg. contest? Yeah, Peg. Peg. Peg i had one of those moments where i'm like i don't believe you like like the <laughs> before you, and before you realize it you're naked yeah
0: i, 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 oh, <laughs> I was <God>. like yeah <laughs> i agree it was oh. so it was so strange it was a little
2: heightened too... a little a, 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 just i just
0: I, no <laughs> it
1: was a little yeah it was very i'm gonna say a little it was very melodramatic
0: it was yes that's yeah. the word it was, and it unfortunately undercut what I think could have been an interesting, scene. a really strong
2: moment. Yeah. yeah,
0: and again, there's echoes here of what we saw in a prior episode just recently. One strobe over the line because there's a model and her agent who is a former model. She has struggled with some of the same issues that Edie, the younger model, has, and so it's like this this echoing of you know the, these two that are separated by you know a, a generation and have both been pageant uh, contestants. And, you know, now, of course, Peg is running things or whatever and fell into the same trap. But, yeah, it gets gets a little, like, where are the violins, you know, bringing... Sure, work. yeah.
1: And, and another weird thing about this episode I've forgotten is, like, I thought Peg had been victimized by a photographer like Clint, but it turns out she was victimized by Clint. Yeah. And yeah, the mm. actor who plays Clint is not old enough for that.
2: I wondered. Yeah, because that was I, eight I, years ago, fourteen years ago. Yeah, nineteen forty-six was the year she it's was. Well, yeah,
0: twelve yeah. years ago. Yeah,
1: yeah, because I had to go back and like re-listen to the dialogue of that scene, and that doesn't track.
0: You know, the funny thing is, is he's actually a lot older than you think he is because he's seventy-one years old now. Okay. So,
3: oh, so, oh wow, yeah. So when yeah. he when they shot the episode.
0: Yeah, when he shot the episode, he would have been 43. So, it, it believe it or not, it, the age actually kind of works out. Tracks? Yeah. Hmm.
2: Right. I have a question. I have a question yeah. about Sam's traveling and his strength. Yes. And does he have the strength of the character or of himself? Because uh, I don't think that uh, darling could hold a man outside a window that
1: way. <laughs>
4: uh,
1: fa- fantastic question. So... They don't explain it well in this episode, but the physics of leaping is Sam is physically there. Ah. He is surrounded by the aura of the person that he has replaced.
2: Okay, great. Got but it. still, so, people will be like, wow, yeah. honey,
0: right.
2: why didn't you do weightlifting for your talent? <laughs> yeah. I learned it from the 4-H club, you know, when he learned how to fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. What a line. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Actually, so I wouldn't what? be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so, throwing out to you two, like, what did you think of the scene where Sam, other than like the, the disparity of strength between like, him and Darlene, uh, of him bursting in and basically beating Clint up and like threatening to kill him by throwing him out the window?
2: I'm trying to remember any thoughts about it other than the strength thing. I mean, honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah. I
3: was
2: like... Really interesting. But I the scenario it seemed didn't seem
3: it was nothing that like like stood, stood out of sorts. Yeah. Up, per the okay. per the situation. Although I I don't recall this I'm trying to remember I, don't, it. I don't recall if did did Clint have a reaction when he was initially punched by Darlene of like what? Like you punched me really hard. I was not expecting that strength from you. To be
1: a second.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I think that there seems to be there seems to be maybe shock, but it honestly it doesn't seem to be anything more than I'm shocked because I just got punched in the face.
1: Sure, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I was asking because the, the first episode that Sam leaped into a woman, uh, there are a couple moments, especially like the, the, the last sequence of that episode where he physically beats a man up and the women that we had guests on that episode, they took issue with the fact that well that's great for Sam, but that woman's gonna leap back in, and she is going to face the consequences of having right oh of having done something that if a woman did it, the man is going to come back and retaliate in a potentially very physically harmful way
0: mm-hmm which, obviously, mm-hmm. in, you know, again, the context of a television show being shot in 1990, that was never on anybody's mind, because as far as they were concerned, the world existed for those 48 minutes, and after that, sure. everything was going to be just okay. fine. Of course it was, because that's that's how TV works, and that's how the world works, right? Mm. But, again, like, yeah, in a modern context, it does make you wonder, you know, does, does Clint seek vengeance on Darlene after getting fired and, you know, getting punched in the face and held out a window. And, you know, does Sam, uh, again, I don't think he's doing this consciously at all, but does he put Darlene in danger by taking this action? Sure.
3: Well, and hopefully, hopefully it's a situation where he doesn't retaliate because he, Clint is like now everything is now out in the open and he can be, there are you know people that have multiple women that have been victimized by him to end his career. I would hope
2: I get the feeling that he just moved on to the next thing because as much as he got fired from that, it's not a promoted thing. So he just went to the next gig. That's my thought. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, Wait, that's, and did that's the same thing. That's probably true. Unfortunately, you're right. Is that he was able to just kind of slide onto the next gig and, He's not going to get to come back to Miss Deep South, but you know.
1: Well, even like he did He gets beat up. Like he ends up getting fired from the pageant, but he has the really skippy leg. Well, there's always next year. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. not next year at this pageant, but it'll be.
0: Somewhere
3: Ugh. else. unsettling. Oh, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. But they expose the film anyway, and now sure. the pictures are ruined. Peg tells Connie she can be in the pageant after all. Sure. But now Sam is like, "Why the hell haven't I left?" And that's when Al is like, you've got to ensure." which it's odd mm-hmm. in a way because you have to wonder, well, if she placed third and went on to become a doctor anyway, like what has Sam done that would prevent that from happening?
1: Well, now right. she back in and she's disoriented. Sure. She's lost a day.
0: <laughs> or one could also argue that because Sam has not acquitted himself well as a beauty pageant sure. contestant, that there's this sort of... You know, preconceived notion that he's no good, so the judges are just going to be like, eh, not this person again. Yeah. Whereas now he has to rise to the occasion. And, sure. You know. But
1: the upshot is, he doesn't leave because we get to see him.
0: That's right. The
2: Do the people that Sam jumps into remember anything? Or so- is it... It's unclear. Hit, it's a good it's question.
0: hinted at. A good unfortunately, it is it is left mostly unclear. But it is hinted that because of the way that when like Sam's brain gets Swiss cheese, so he doesn't remember everything when he leaps around, and part of the the theory, and again, it is hinted at in a couple of episodes, is that what happens is that when he leaps out and the person leaps back in, they kind of get some of his memories, so they kind of oh. know what's happening. At the same time, they're usually there's there's also the the fan theory that they're being prepped on everything because they're in like a waiting room in New Mexico at Project Quantum Leap, and Al is interacting with them, and so they're what? actually talking to Al, yeah, and 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 Al is kind of filling them in, and I think there's an episode at one point where like Al's like, yeah, this guy thinks he's been abducted by a UFO, or like there's there's different things where. You, you get to hear a little bit about it, and then there are a couple of episodes where we actually see the person in the waiting room, but that's oh. all later down the road.
1: There are, okay. Yeah, hmm. they, they start playing with some things in the last season, and there are actually some episodes in the last season where they show Al in the future talking to the person in the waiting room, like, counseling them through
0: hmm. what they need. Yeah. For.
1: Yeah, and then there's one episode, <laughs> future spoiler for any listeners who don't want to hear, uh, there is a future episode where Sam leaps into Dr. Ruth,
0: Oh God, Doctor oh, Ruth, wow. Doctor
1: Ruth. Yes, oh, and, <laughs> and, 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 yes and at the end of the episode, Sam isn't leaping because Al is undergoing counseling by Doctor Ruth in the future, and we actually see those scenes of, of Doctor Ruth counseling Al, and Sam doesn't leap because Al needs to have one more counseling session with Doctor Ruth to to work out his. Uh, basically, it's a
4: problem
3: with objectifying women.
1: Yeah. Surprise, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. oh. surprise. How about oh, that? After five, <laughs> five seasons, it gets addressed.
3: <laughs> hey, at least it does. That's, yeah, this is
0: that, true. That was there... something
2: else my husband said. He called Al the human illegal camera. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was nope.
2: like, you're golden, honey. Yeah. Up and apparently, and here's the other, like, he said something happened in South Korea recently where there were some protests about some cameras in private spaces where they were hidden in women's bathrooms. And a woman did the same to a man, and she got in big trouble. And it's sort of like the government had to get involved, And, and once, but once the tables were turned, it wasn't okay because it was for women who were objectified. But once a woman did it to men, the government got involved. This is modern day. This is today. This is what he said. Google wow. it. I, I'm spreading lies otherwise.
4: <laughs> 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 Snopes that. Yeah. Snopes oh, that. Man. Snopes it. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I, unfortunately, I mean, I totally, totally believe it. It's, uh, ah, the world.
1: Anyway, so we get to the beauty pageant and we get, like, the little, not very much of a montage. At uh, all. Keep just, pretty short and sweet at this point. freaking out right before him, him doing Michael so. Uh, Basically, like, he's going to come in fourth if nothing changes, and so they decide they got to they to change things up. They are very conveniently standing in front of the Jerry Lee Lewis poster. Uh, Sam, we were talking about this off mic before we started recording. What's what's wrong with this Jerry Lee Lewis poster, him performing here at this time?
0: Well, I'm not saying that there wasn't a concert scheduled for then. It is entirely possible, but it definitely never took place, and part of the reason why is because at this particular point in time, Jerry Lee Lewis was actually in England, And anyone who knows anything about Jerry Lee Lewis and his history knows that when he was in England, it came out that he had married his 13-year-old cousin, and so when he came back to the United States, he was met with quite a chilly reception, and uh, people kind of were no longer so much fans.
2: Their um, balls are not on fire anymore. Their balls are flaming. <laughs> yeah.
0: the, the other thing that's kind of worth noting here, we uh, we talked about this on previous episodes, is that Quantum Leap does have a tendency to kind of follow along with whatever sort of was popular at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Certain episodes, you know, might echo a popular film or, or something like that. Um, Great Balls of Fire, which is the um, the bio of, of Jerry Lee Lewis, the film with Dennis Quaid and Winona Ryder, had um, actually just um, uh, uh uh been in theaters not too long before this so it does kind of make one wonder if they decided to include this number because at the time that film had been out it didn't do very well but that's beside <laughs> the point you know if it was it was in their consciousness and they're sort of like ah you know what would be fun to have scott bacula do this cuz he <laughs> can actually play the piano and yeah he's a musical yeah.
2: theater
0: guy mm-hmm. yeah that's right yeah so anyway he does he sings great balls of fire we yeah. get treated this is where to uh yeah you know,
4: uh, what did you notice oh, the,
2: audience oh, go ahead. Oh, the stock footage? I know it's the Deep <laughs> South and it is a pageant, but that was the only black person I saw was in the it was in the stock footage. Yep. Everyone else was white. <laughs> <laughs> Lily white.
1: Lily white. Uh, yes, indeed. I was going to ask, what platform did you two watch this episode on? Hulu.
3: I did. I, I I also watched it on Hulu. Okay,
1: because um, I think on Hulu it's standard definition still. Uh, I watch it on Blu-ray, and so it's high-definition. And the thing is, Quantum Leap uses a lot of stock footage, and watching it now on Blu-ray high-definition, the stock footage really jumps out at you, because there's a very (laughs) clear difference in picture quality. Oh, yeah. Where, like, if you were watching it in 1990 probably was not
0: as much of it. Yeah. Yeah. Gone.
2: The definition. Uh, and, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. And, and the next episode, which takes place during the LA watch rights, they use a lot of stock footage to the episode. So it's, mm.
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'd almost think though that in that episode, they didn't care because even okay, then the yeah. footage would have been 25 years old and they knew it wasn't going to match. But sure, yeah. but mm-hmm. one of the things that's interesting about this to note is that it, as a result of this stock footage, specifically Jean-Paul, uh, Jean-Pierre Dorliac decided not to, uh, Submit the episode for consideration for the Emmys because he felt like this sort of just ruined the illusion because these characters, these in the stock footage, are wearing clothes from like the '70s, and the rest of it was all period appropriate and these dresses that he had designed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think that that's interesting oh. that he was like, hmm. "No, I refuse to submit it. it. Doesn't stay true to my work because of the stock footage."
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we get the we get the performance of the song. Yep. And then we get. The the finale The announcements What do do we call it Sure Sure yeah
0: The graduation day
1: What I said it's graduation day day. I don't know Uh So third place is announced And Darlene is not announced Third place This This is where it caught me This is the scholarship That she used to go to college Yeah Scholarship Mm -hmm. for third place Is $500 Yeah
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think how much money that would be today.
0: I We can yeah. Google it. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, but that jumped out. Like, I
2: don't know. Uh, was that a lot? It was uh, a little. I'm assuming that's a lot. I mean, yeah. In it college to be was like a 1500
0: like, Right? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Just a little So, yeah, while you're while you're Googling that, sense. Why not? So, second place is announced, uh, even Which I thought end.
3: was really entertaining because it was the I think it was the the, the jerk girl, yeah. Confederacy was like, girl, yeah, the Confederacy that like she smiled, but then there was like a uh, moment that like oh second oh okay she yeah.
2: was smiling because she was like oh good for you oh it's me oh it's oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
1: I enjoyed that moment uh, and then I, Al I, I says w- that Connie's going to go on to have a, a fill- I think she goes home she opens a beauty salon and she has a you know she has a fill- life and then.
0: Darlene. It is indeed. There she is.
2: It made me wonder how that affected the other first and second contestants originally. Ooh, yeah. They didn't mention that ripple effect.
0: You know, it's it, funny you mentioned if... that, because when we were talking about Leap Home Part 1, Al, as he's giving Sam his mission about having to win the basketball game, is saying, like, You know, if they don't win the basketball game, these guys won't go on to be doctors or because they won't get their scholarships, et cetera. And Dennis brings up the great point as we're talking about the episode. He's like, "What about the other team? What about Bentleyville? Like, these guys lose Mm -hmm. the game now. What happens to those guys? So it's more important Mm -hmm. that these guys end up, you know." So
1: well, it's funny. Like after the
0: game, Al says that as a result of
1: of, oh the, the the victory being different. One cheerleader. Lisa doesn't marry doesn't no marry nose. a certain basketball player, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Yeah, Lisa doesn't marry no nose. Doesn't marry you either. But at least doesn't marry him and have a couple of bulldogs."
0: Yeah. So he's a rape. People have
1: been wiped out of the timeline. <laughs> oh, oh my! And Al just waves it off as a joke. Yeah.
0: Yeah. um Unfortunately, uh I don't. I don't want to take too much time to quibble about that because I have to. I have to bring up what is probably one of the worst moments in Quantum Leap up to this point, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, here
2: we go. Which is
0: Sam crying, wishing that his sister could see him. It felt so wrong oh, okay. on that so many levels. That happened in this
1: episode at the I, end. I, I, see, I was I, I wondering that name really... that he said. I, it's really glossed over. He just says that he wishes Katie could see him.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: And, and, and Katie did. Yeah, there was girl. like
2: a ah tear. Ah tear. Yeah. What was their relationship? Why he w- uh, why would he want right? her to see him in that position?
0: See, I, uh,
4: and even beyond what was the relationship?
0: that, even beyond that, like, why would he be, like, it does, it just feels so weird that Sam would think that Katie would be happy and proud of this moment and would want that for her and would want it. Like, it just doesn't feel right at all. It's such a bad line. It's terrible. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it was odd, but I think for me it was because I didn't know who Katie was either. So I'm like, sure. oh, okay,
4: oh, well.
2: I think I assumed because I had heard your episode before the uh, coming home one, so I was like, oh yeah, the sister. Oh, okay, but I still I forgot about it because I was like, that's weird. I forgot yeah.
1: about it already. <laughs> See, it just struck me as a cute little moment.
2: Well, good. That's
4: what it was <laughs> I mean, supposed I, to be. I, mean, I, think,
1: <laughs> I, I think like you, you had to put something there. Because if you didn't give emotional stakes for Sam in that moment, it's just Sam walking down the aisle going, all right, I won a beauty contest. I got, like, slightly better for the person I leaped into. Why haven't I leaped?
4: Mm-hmm. Giving him
1: stakes and being proud of it and wish that his sibling could see him, it it gives him something more in that moment.
2: I get that. Yeah. Dram- dramatically and, and, and motivation-wise, yeah.
3: Or maybe in that moment, he he's thinking, okay, he got first place, meaning that he got more money for Darlene. Maybe that means more patience Darlene is going to save. Maybe she graduates college a little bit sooner and is able to become, you know what I mean? Like maybe sure. having that extra boost helped her career a little bit more.
2: Because his sister was in an abusive relationship. Is that the whole yeah. thing? What was yeah. it? So it's sort of like empowering women, and I wish she had seen us and been in this moment to celebrate it. So I can get that. Mm.
1: So to throw you a curveball, get... when Betsy watched the episode, she thought that Sam said, I wish that his dad could see this moment.
2: <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs>
1: Interesting.
2: That's very liberal. Something <laughs> maybe John
1: Beckett would <laughs> not. John Beckett would have a lot of... Uh... No. Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't know. I appreciate you guys' point of view on it, but I still loathe it. I just think it's <laughs> yeah. like, Whenever it just is, is tone deaf to me because sure. it doesn't, it doesn't play true to Sam and it doesn't play true to I the character you. that we meet as Katie either, in my opinion.
1: I, I gotcha. Um, as creepy as Al is in this episode, he does have a nice moment when he does react to, to Sam's line. He's like, ah, oh, Sam. it's just like, seriously? <sighs> It's a cute little <laughs> Uh There are some sure episodes really. where Al is really great, good guy, really noble, and then you have episodes like this. Uh, and I've gotten to the point, I've stopped blaming Al the character, and I blame the writer of that particular episode.
4: Yeah. Because mm. I... the thing is,
1: because a lot of times they, they shift his character around yeah. to fit what they need for that particular episode. And sometimes it's really
0: inconsistent. Yeah. I mean, the next episode's a perfect example of that. God, yeah. yeah. Um, right. And it's so straight. How in the world, how in the world within the span of a few episodes, can we have Sam creeping on teenage cheerleaders and that feeling, not that it's okay, but feeling better than his behavior in this episode. You know what I mean? Like if you put those two episodes side by side, I can kind of be like, all right, Al, I'll write you a pass for the cheerleader thing, but this one is raw." You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's that it's so bad. Yeah. So bad.
1: Uh, but anyway, so Sam leaps.
0: He does. He leaps.
1: Uh, he, he's with a woman.
0: He's laying. Got his shirt and, open. Uh,
1: yeah, and and very quickly they are approached by by three men, and it's apparent that something is about to go down. Yeah, and mm-hmm. there's are on foot.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's worth it's worth noting that uh, that they're approached by three black men, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and that's all we get. Yep. It.
4: Hmm.
2: To be continued. Indeed. I always enjoyed that of
3: Quantum Leap and for me, Gem and the holograms did this too. Truly outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. Where they leave like a little bit to leave you wondering what's gonna happen in the next episode to keep you watching. And, yeah. But at least in Gem and the Holograms, they have this huge, like this huge problem at the end of an episode, but then they solve it in like 10 seconds at the start of the next episode and start a completely different story. Whereas Quantum Leap is not
2: that way. Not sure you watched Gem watching. and the Holograms, yes, but that's how it gem went. Oh,
0: I did. I had a Gem doll. The yes. With the glowing glass. ears. Did she have uh, the earrings yes. that glow? Showtime yeah. synergy. I'm telling you, when I was a kid, I wanted to paint my nails. I watched Wonder Woman and Gem. Yes. And- Love it. You know? And then they steered me the wrong way, and now I eat red meat, and... No, I don't know. (laughs) Now I eat
4: red (laughs) meat. Ain't nothing wrong with (laughs) meat.
0: Well, okay. So I think everyone can pretty much guess my feelings on this episode. But, ladies (laughs) first, Megan, Kelly, give us your opinion overall on Miss Deep South.
1: Stop calling them Megan Kelly! (laughs) (laughs)
2: topical I, I, what I appreciated was how relevant a lot of the stuff
4: is yeah Absolutely.
3: yeah this episode definitely made me Google you know what was what is happening today with you know the whole Miss America pageant and the messaging that's been changed along with that for sure and all the me too stuff the and me just too, yeah it's it's
2: yeah it was relevant was it a great episode yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> lovely <laughs>
2: <laughs> What'd you think about it? Yeah, yeah. more explicitly, I, it was a just didn't. Um, didn't...
4: I, I, I knew I didn't that there go. were going
1: to be what I remembered of it. I knew that there were going to be problematic elements in the in the episode. Um, you know, like, I mean, just like a whole plot of like you know the pictures being taken and, and how that was handled and the way Al behaved with the contestants. Mm. Um, uh, speaking to your point earlier, Kelly, I I, I really didn't thing in the moment of like how like in the, in the age that we're now through a 2018 lens and talking about you know uh, the, the humor of a man dressing up as a woman and, and sensitive, being insensitive to transgender issues that kind of like even though while I'm I, I hope that I'm sensitive to that from day to day having you know known this episode since I was a kid that element kind of kind of went over my head a little bit and I think I kind of fell into the trap that uh, next week's episode, which we were planning to record that episode today, but the guest had a, a thing come up, so we're recording it later. Next week's episode is a very dark, topical episode. And so mm. I was kind of expecting that to be bit, like, the heavier episode of the two episodes that we recorded today. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, well, silly. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I'm sure it'll be just
2: as heavy.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah I'm sure. uh, But yeah, I until like, like, we really start talking about like, just like, yeah how, how how this episode falls on someone who is not familiar with the show at all and they're watching it through a 2018 lens.
2: I still want to know how they verified the standard declaration of purity contract I mean it makes me think of you know I know there's still those purity groups out there that you sign and, and I'm like that makes me think of like define what is purity and yeah. what is sex because I know a lot of girls that accept the back door they're still considering themselves virgins and I'm like well, well yeah. wink wink back door when they do sexual acts that are like well what what is purity what is the contract and then how do you prove it because honestly if if it was the hymen back in the day I'm sorry you ride a horse or you wear a tampon you you're, you've lost your purity it. sorry we're all screwed. Yeah. Or not, but how do
4: you think that? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean,
2: uh,
4: really?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 it, it is, yeah. How? I mean, how in the world are you going to possibly verify that? Why should you be verifying that? What is your definition? Um, There's a
3: pageant doctor.
0: Oh, God. No, that's
3: oh, never God. mind. Never mind.
0: Never
4: oh. mind. Bad thoughts, bad thoughts, bad
3: thoughts,
0: bad thoughts. <I know, right? laughs> um, yeah, I, I well, you know, it's I, I uh, did this interactive theater piece um, that was not always necessarily in the best of hands, if you ask me, with the people that were running it. But basically, the idea is that you went to high schools and you basically did these very frank shows about sex and sexual assault and rape, and sometimes it got to be just a little too it's, it's one thing to talk about those things in a frank manner. It's another thing to be kind of explicit, explicit and gratuitous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For, Mm -hmm. for, you know, that sake. And, uh, there were a couple of times that I felt like we weren't quite, we were crossing some lines, but whatever. Um, and and that one of the biggest issues that they were facing at that time is that, um, there were a lot of, of girls apparently that thought that there was nothing wrong with, The back door, if you will, and and how that was completely okay, (laughs) and how there are, quite frankly, a lot of of health risks involved. And, you know, they're just willing to do it because it means that if they do that, that they're still pure. and, And, you know, it's like, what's your definition? What's your knowledge? You know, education is much more important than saying don't do it hmm But anyway. Uh... And
2: also not being ashamed of things if you enjoy that sort of aspect. It's like oh, this yeah. is not something to be ashamed. This is your body. You have control over it. Who, Whatever someone else says about it, it's it's not as important as what you feel about it. And that, that makes me think also about Connie's statement of like, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life scratching at the dirt and having 10 kids pulling at my skirt. If that makes me think 10 kids, it's like oftentimes that's not a choice. Like um, having – pre- prophylactic or people that are or christian based and don't use contraceptives and a lot of times the women in that situation don't get the choice and are left dealing with 10 kids i mean i am in the middle of nine kids that was my parents choice they are very happy but it's unheard of these days but back yeah. then no mm-hmm. no that's,
4: that's very... expensive
3: no, <laughs> no time joke. consuming
2: um, Especially man.
3: now, imagining ha- somebody having nine or ten kids now, mm. I can't
2: afford sanity. No, I mean my parents are my heroes. I don't know how they did it, and bless them. I'm just on mm. the middle of nine. I'm number five, and I can't. I could not imagine that.
0: Yeah. Ever. No, I. Yeah, me, me either, me either. I mean, we're just about ready to have our first, and I'm just kind of like, eh, that's enough. That's good, right? Like, I don't need more than that. Oh. Uh, anyway. When you go from
2: two to three, that's where that shift is, like. Ah,
0: yeah. yeah so. so yeah, I you know I think that, that you guys have, have raised some really great points and I'm so grateful that you joined us for the episode. Uh, I you know, just for for my final two cents, I think that the episode does end up feeling topical uh, unfortunately. Um, and I, I think that the fact that we're still talking about issues of this nature twenty eight years after this episode was filmed and, and sixty years after it takes place. Um, is indicative of how much further we have to go. In fact, one of the protesters um, that was interviewed for the New York Times article on the Miss America pageant and the changes that were being made, I thought made such a brilliant point because um, here's a woman who 50 years ago was protesting uh, the pageant, and now these changes are being made. And she says... What can I say, said one of them, Robin Morgan, the author of more than 20 books of poetry and nonfiction, including the 1970 anthology Sisterhood is Powerful, after 50 years, this is a start. Huh. And I think that that's the thing that even I sometimes forget is that you know, progress is mm-hmm. also very fluid. And just because you make progress at one point doesn't mean that you don't have a lot further to go. Um mm-hmm. and so hopefully as we continue to have these conversations we can keep having those those new beginnings that lead to other new beginnings that you know remind us that we're probably never gonna get to the finish line and that's okay, but as long as we keep moving forward, that's the most important thing.
1: Sure. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe not just start that conversation with this
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Kelly and Megan. See, uh, I switched it this ah, way. Avoided, yeah. avoided the issue. Uh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, thank so you for, for having us. Thank you for
1: having us. Where, for our listeners, where can they find you on the on the, the, the
2: At courtesyflush.lol lol, lol. Um, or say. on iTunes and any of the streaming channels for podcasts so and we're if you want to email us for topics if you like it we're at please at courtesyflush dot LOL. lol and yeah uh,
1: the question I was going to ask you earlier do you you say you improvise all of it yeah uh, do you kind of like come up with like ideas for topics before you jump into an episode or you just like show up and, and just hit record and see what happens? Sometimes,
2: Sometimes each of us comes with something in mind and then otherwise it's just a fluid conversation but we try to keep it focused so that we're not just jumping all around doing too long of a segment but no um, and then the improvised scenes for the princess problems that was those are definitely all improvised and we actually suss those up like a scene yeah. so it's kind of fun Fantastic. Awesome,
1: well I've been enjoying listening to your, to your show and thank you yeah, thank I just, got to, listen.
0: I I just think... got to listen for the first time today, so I'm looking forward to, to hearing more. Um, and we'll, we'll certainly include uh, stuff in the show notes, but uh, yeah, thank you again. And uh, I think it's time to leap out of here. here.
1: All right. Sweet. Sweet. Right on. Awesome. So we will see you uh, next week for Black on White on Fire.
0: Indeed. We're going to have a special guest. Uh, my buddy Lamont will be joining us, so should be should be a good, interesting time. Another episode that is all too topical. Okay, um, yeah. But while... while not having any of the amusement of Miss Deep South, so be be prepared. Uh, But thanks again, everybody. We're going to leap on out of here. Take care in the meantime. See
1: you next week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at FWWQuantumLeapPod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time.